Welcome in. It's Black and Abdallah. The guys have the night off today. Tyler Aki sitting in with you until 8 o'clock. 312-332-3776. Bears lose to the Eagles 25-20. to And it's kind of the same old song and dance that we've seen in pretty much every single one of these Bears losses over the seven-game losing streak. Bears kept it close. Justin Fields played well. Bears had a lead at one point, but ultimately not enough for the Bears to come out victorious. Justin Fields, another one of those highlight-filled games for him. He has the big 39-yard run. He has the big touchdown pass that made things a five-point game down the stretch when he finds Byron Pringle at the goal line. And it's one of those things where, all right, We've kind of hit the tipping point now. The frustrations are starting to boil, but we do know what's on the other side, right? Like it's kind of maybe even how we feel right now in Chicago with these temperatures dipping below. I'm sure people have looked at the forecast for what's coming up later on this week as well with a blizzard expected on the way. We'll have our white Christmas, it looks like. We know what we're in for, but we know that on the other end of this, when we get to June, when we get to July... When summer's here, kind of makes it feel worth it being in this city. Um, but right now, when I look at this Bears team, I see an offense that clearly has it with the quarterback. I see Justin Fields uplifting and making a lot of guys that aren't very good look all right out there. When you saw the injuries start to pile in, you get the injury report on Friday, no Chase Claypool going to be out there. You get the injury report on Sunday right before kickoff, no Nikhil Harry. And then you get the injuries that happen in the game with Equinemia St. Brown going out with a concussion. And it's like, who are these players that are coming on the field right now? Who is Simba Webster? Who are all these different pieces that are coming on and, And expected to make Justin Fields look good out there. And despite all of that, he's gone out and done it. He has gone through some real trials and tribulations this season and has overcome hurdle after hurdle after hurdle, a lot of which is out of his control. And the guy he's going up against in yesterday's game, Jalen Hurts, well, the numbers look good for Hertz. 315 passing yards, ran for three touchdowns, you ran for 61 yards as well. The numbers look good. Jalen Hurts probably didn't play his best game of the year, and now we know that it looks like he's probably going to end up missing this weekend's game against the Dallas Cowboys. If you've seen anything with how the lines have moved from the Eagles once upon a time being a favorite to now being, last I saw, a five-point underdog. If you've seen how Jalen Hurts' MVP odds have shifted from once upon a time being the favorite to now Patrick Mahomes leapfrogging him into that top spot. But one thing I saw, you know, you see this after every single game, right? You see the quarterbacks meet at the center of the field. They exchange handshakes. They, they do the whole thing where they cover their mouths so no one can tell what they're talking about as well as they kind of say, yep, good, great game out there. We'll see you again another time. But the thing that sort of struck me when I saw Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields meet up at midfield after the game yesterday, right? Like think about through NFL and football history, those, those meetings that you see at, at midfield, right? Especially lately, Allen's and, Allen and Mahomes, Brady Mahomes, Brady and Manning, 
Like all these icon- uh, Rodgers and Brady. You see those meetups at midfield right there. And I thought to myself, you know, we may have seen the two best quarterbacks for the foreseeable future in the NFC. We may have seen that meeting. We're going to see that a lot more moving forward, and we're going to see it in the playoffs at some point as well. And we may see it pretty frequently. Those That to me, when I saw that meeting, I said, this is going to be a long-standing and maybe even a rivalry that develops between these two quarterbacks because right now, these two quarterbacks have the two brightest futures in the NFC. Just go through some of the other quarterbacks. And listen, this isn't solely praise for what Jalen Hurts and what Justin Fields have done so far this season. It also, to a degree, is an indictment on what the state of quarterbacking play looks like right now in the NFC. I mean, you take a look. Cowboys' Dak Prescott, yeah, he's solid, but I don't think he's got nearly the ceiling of what a Hurts and Fields currently have right now. The, The Taylor Heineke story is cool, but is he a Justin Fields or Jalen Hurts? Absolutely not. The Giants... That's up in flux of what that's going to look like. You look through the NFC North, Aaron Rodgers, how many more years does he really have of doing this? The Lions, nothing scares you there, even though Jared Goff has played a lot better. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. I don't think we're going to see much out of him for the foreseeable future. The Bucs, Brady's days are certainly numbered. You look at the Panthers, Saints, Falcons, nothing really gets you going in the quarterback department in the rest of the league. The 49ers, they can throw anybody out there, it feels like, and they're bound to have success because of the scheme that they run and the coaching that they have and the talent that surrounds that team. I saw that meeting at midfield yesterday, and I said, this is the next great quarterback rivalry that we're going to see in the NFC because we're going to see these two guys go head-to-head a lot over the next couple of years because of the fact that they are these poster children for what the NFL is going to look like, especially on the NFC side. We're going to see a lot of Fox games that feature the Bears and the Eagles moving forward because their quarterbacks are marquee products within the league right now. And when I saw those two exchange pleasantries at midfield, I said to myself, yes, this is what the the future of the NFC looks like with these two quarterbacks. And I wonder if you agree with me. Am I missing somebody? Of course, someone can get drafted at a certain point. Someone can get drafted. Like, who knows? Are the Lions maybe going to be that team that goes out and gets someone like a C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young because they do have that Rams pick? Are we going to see a quarterback get drafted and maybe mix things up in the NFC? But right now, Texans have the number one pick. Bears have the number two. It's certainly an interesting way to to look at the NFC moving forward because from a quarterback standpoint, nobody is in better hands right now than the Philadelphia Eagles and the Chicago Bears. I want to know, do you agree with me? Do you also see what I see? That that meeting between Hurts and Fields yesterday, it's the first of many that we're going to see and maybe even multiple times a year as well. I'd imagine the Bears and Eagles should win their divisions a couple of times over the next five, seven years while they have these quarterbacks under their control. 
And because of that, you obviously get the matchups divisionally because of how the NFL sets up their schedule. The best team in each division plays the best team in every other division. That's why we see so much parity. But we could be seeing a lot of matchups between the Bears and Eagles moving forward, not just in the regular season, but in the postseason as well. Do you agree with me there? 312-332-3776. Justin Fields yesterday, 14 of 21 passing through the two touchdown passes. And, you know, we, we've seen so much out of Fields over the, the six games prior where he's running in scores. But I think another thing that we've seen with Fields is even when they do get close into the the red zone, he's still pretty efficient throwing the football down there as well. Made a nice pass to David Montgomery, went through a couple progressions, found Montgomery in the flat, and it was an easy walk-in touchdown right there. I, I think that you're seeing improvement game to game to game. Fields finishes this one with a 195 passer rating as well. The 152 yards, as I mentioned, with the, the pair of touchdowns and also runs for 95 on the ground, including that electrifying 39-yard run. That would have been one of the greatest quarterback runs in NFL history had he not stepped out by a half a half a foot out of bounds there. If he hadn't done that, you're looking at one of the greatest runs, I think, in quarterback in quarterback history with the way that he broke the sack from Hassan Reddick, maneuvered his way to the outside, gets by a couple defenders, because that's something I also look at at Justin Fields. And even though he wasn't the quarterback that ran for a, a touchdown in this game, right? Like that's Jalen Hurts. He's the one who comes away with three touchdowns on the other side, rushing the football. But I saw Justin Fields make that run, and I said to myself, you know, I don't think there's another quarterback in the game that can make a run like that because they don't possess the dual, the absolute dual threat. And I'm not talking about dual threat as a quarterback, but the dual threat of both speed and strength that Justin Fields has. You think about, all right, who could do something similar to that? Obviously, Jalen Hurts, I think he could do the evasion part of it by, by getting, by breaking off from a sack. And breaking a couple tackles, but I don't think he's got the getaway speed that we see out of Justin Fields. Same thing with Josh Allen. I think he's got the strength to make a run like that, but he doesn't have the breakaway speed to get from end to end that way. On the flip side, I think there's guys like Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. They've got the speed to make a run like that happen, but I don't know if either one of those guys are getting out of the sack, especially for a guy like Hassan Reddick, who had his way with the Bears' offensive line all game long in that one. So, uh, it, again, it's the same song and dance that we're seeing with the Bears game after game. They're close. Justin Fields plays well, but it's still not quite enough as the Bears lose to the the Philadelphia Eagles 25-20 to at Soldier Field. What would you think? 312-332-3776. We'll take all your Bears calls coming up next. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. It's Black and Abdallah. Follow us on the ground at Black and Abdallah and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000.
today. Tyler Rocky's sitting in for them. 312-332-3776. Anything on your bear's mind. We're taking all your calls here on Black and Abdallah. I did say with Waddle and Sylvie that we can do some all calls welcome. This is the last six to eight Black and Abdallah um, for the year. So we will take all those calls. 312-332-3776. Let's start things off. Christopher is in Park Forest. Christopher, you're on Black and Abdallah with Tyler Aki. Hey there. Uh, you guys had a phenomenal year. I really enjoyed the show. Happy uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. You as well, Christopher. Uh, go with, yes, indeed. You guys do a great job. Great, great on, the, on my drive home. I'm going to have to go a different route. I uh, called in last week. Um, I've watched Justin Field in college. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Love his athleticism. Love his approach. Definitely a shining star. But my question is, I don't see him as a sustainable quarterback to get us to that next level. I just truly don't. I think, number one, he's like a Robert Griffin type where tons of potential, tons of athleticism, but could possibly be injury prone, especially if we don't fix the offensive line. Athleticism, uh, I think Lamar Jackson will tell you, that doesn't translate all the way to being a sustainable franchise-type quarterback. I mean, I can't see us getting to the Super Bowl with a Justin Fields. Doesn't mean that he's not a great quarterback. Doesn't mean that he doesn't, uh, doesn't have the potential. But I think that frustration is going to set in because the rebuild is going to take four to five years. He's going to be banged up. Uh, he's not like the Joe Burrow type. I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan because that's where I'm from. But He's just not that type. Uh, you know, of course, he made some great throws, but consistently, uh, I just don't see him build, uh, being that franchise person. So when we talk about building around him, I, I just don't see it. Let me ask you a question, Christopher. Do, do you believe that Jalen Hurts can go out and win a Super Bowl? Yes, I do because of the team around him, not right. just because of Jalen Hurts' uh, potential. I think Justin and Jalen is probably – equal as okay. far as their ability well when you look at the rest of this bears roster don't you think that there is going to be additions made to make this team a better overall team outside of just the quarterback when you look at the draft yeah. picks the currency that they have in free agency as well yeah yeah well you know that could be true but i think that coaching is suspect here i think that's one problem coaching to me is being able to take uh, talent and quickly translate that talent to work. So you're talking about one to three years there. Uh, uh, You know, draft picks, that's another one to three years. So that's six years. Uh, He'll be a free agent by then and probably banged up to where I hope he doesn't end up like a Robert Griffith or, 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 or one of those guys. Philadelphia is kind of built, and so Jalen fits in right in good with that because they put the work in. They've had good draft choices. They've been to the Super Bowl under uh, Peterson or the guy that was there. So they kind of had that culture and that work put in. We don't have that. We haven't had that. And so that's the sad thing about it. Appreciate the call, Christopher. Have a good night. Thank you. 312-332-3776. The one thing I would say about the, the coaching staff and the infrastructure there is, do we really know who anybody on this coaching staff is outside of Luke Getze? Like, I think we look at Luke Getze as, all right, that's a guy who has elevated the team. Everyone else, I think, is still sort of up for debate. I right now lean more in favor of, I think, Eberflus can be good. 
But again, you're not really going to know that until he's put into some crunch time situations. How do you manage the clock down the stretch? How do you utilize challenges? How do you use some of the extra schematics that come with in-game coaching when games really mean more? Um, And then Allen Williams, there's not a lot of talent on that side of the ball. They're also not playing well. I I, I said how I, I lean more towards I'm optimistic that or that uh, Matt Eberflus can be a good coach, I'd probably lean pessimistically towards Alan Williams and being a, a good coach. But again, all of that can kind of be flipped on its head next season based on what comes in and, and what the this roster looks like heading into 2023. Because if there's anything that we know, there's going to be significant roster turnover, whether you like it or not. There just has to be, given the amount of money that you have available, given the draft picks that you have at your disposal. And you may even see that draft currency amplify itself even more with some trades that may come down the pipeline to to accumulate extra picks for this season because there is so much that needs to be done. I mean, just look at all the trades that, that Ryan Poles made last draft to just accumulate. And again, he wasn't working with anything to try to trade away last year. He had nothing at his disposal because of the barren cupboard that was left behind by the previous regime. And he still turned that into extra picks, albeit seventh rounders, most of which you probably haven't seen on the field this year. But the fact that he still turned it into some picks kind of shows you he's willing to wheel and deal. And we, we saw him at the trade deadline this year, go out and make more trades than any other team in the NFL and probably made three of the most significant trades, at least at the time in all of the NFL. So, again, he's got a lot to do, and I I think that you look at what the Bears have ahead of them, it's mostly bright. It's mostly optimistic. I'm looking forward to see how all of it plays out this offseason. I think this is going to be one of the most interesting offseasons in Chicago sports history. When you look at what the quarterback situation is like, it's in place, and also how many other holes you have to fill surrounding the rest of the roster. 312-332-3776 on a Monday. Mitchell's in the splains. Mitchell, what's going on? Hey, Aries. How are you? I'm um, fantastic. you got some interesting points of view. Um, you know, I don't exactly agree with them at all. But let me just give you some facts here, okay, Daddy-O? Let's hear First of all, um, when people make the mistake, they make the mistake of comparing a Jalen Hurts or obviously um, Justin Fields because they're mutually exclusive. So it's a little point. Hurts, Jalen Hurts, passing attack, he threw for over 300 yards yesterday and, um, you know, had what I call a hybrid of his skill set with regards to throwing, uh, obviously running the offense. You know what you didn't see with Jalen Hurts? You don't see screen passes that hit the dirt. That's not the receiver's fault, folks. Uh, Justin Fields has a problem with that. And it has nothing to do with if I like him or not. I'm sure he's a really nice guy. Okay? He's not a kid. He's 23 years old. But I'm talking about performance, Daddy-O. We, you can't be last in the division. You can't be last in the conference. Justin Fields is dead last as a passer in the NFL. The NFL, last time I checked, is a passing league. So you talked about how these, these are going to be perennial winners. Are you smoking pot? I mean, what are you talking about? They got to win the division, Daddy-O. You're telling me that, Tyler, are you telling me this? Are you saying to me that by next year, because of all of these what I call magical changes, Justin Fields is going to play better than, A, Aaron Rodgers? No. The guy from uh, Detroit? No, no shot. 
or even Kirk Cousins. Absolutely not. Because Kirk Cousins in two weeks threw for forever, what, 900 yards? 440, yeah, five, four, okay, let's call it just maybe 850 yards. Justin Fields, his, his entire high for throwing passes this year, I think is two, 256 and some change. Yeah, 254 against the uh, Packers. Oh. Okay, so you can't, you cannot, look, I understand you want to put what I call optimism. Yeah, that's great, if, you know, if you're bidding on a, 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 you know, a stock that's not performing well. This is about wins and losses. All the, I think most people will agree on is they want to see wins. They want to see, uh, you know, the Bears contending and being competitive. Let me explain this to you real quick. Mike Dickett, when he drafted uh, McMahon in 1982, did he ask him to develop? No. When Lovey Smith drafted uh, Kyle Orton, Okay, in 2005, he went 11 in five his rookie year. Did Levy Smith ask Kyle Orton to develop? No. Between, I bring this up for a point because I'm sick and tired of these comparisons between Trubisky and obviously Justin Fields. We have to beta test high draft picks because there's unlimited potential. You spell that backwards, that's your three and eleven. However, now here's the reverse. Okay, if they were 11 and three, then Mitchell and Desplaines has no room to talk. Justin Fields' ability to run and create what I call these exciting plays gets you three and 11, and it's also his biggest detriment. You're you're not going to be able to sustain it. And by the way, those broken plays where he he yes he's super flexible, but in terms of like throwing in tight windows, they will not for the for the love of Pete Tyler answer me this. You had this entire year their running game. They have very good running backs. The Bears' running attack is awesome. Their running game all year has been consistent, and it's actually very good. I think they're ranked at the top five of the league, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, why doesn't why doesn't Cool uh, Hand Luke? They, they will never have Justin Fields do a play action. You know why? Because he can't run it. Can't run it like you can't. You can't run it. But going back to pop order football, when you're when you've got a great running game, that sets up play action. Justin Fields doesn't do that because when you watch his mechanics, okay, I'm going to close on this. There's some real issues. He has a slow delivery. Number one, his slow motion in terms of his throwing motion is slow. He has very little awareness, little to none, when he's in the pocket in terms of like feeling the rush, and that's kind of scary and i've watched it up close when he goes to that sidearm what happens is when you see him throwing to the back of his teammates helmets and you see basically these throws that are like getting batted down is because his his, uh, his elbow is now on a slant and he has no control of that ball and that's that that's what i call is the pattern that i've seen so before you want to have what i call the super bowl shuffle 2.0 i highly suggest the following go back watch the tape watch his mechanics Okay, you can celebrate the fact that he broke Bobby Douglas, uh, Bobby Douglas's rushing yards from 1972. Yes, that's awesome. But you need to have a passing attack. I'm not being critical of just Justin Fields. I was critical of all the Bears quarterbacks. I'm 53 years old. And Tyler, I appreciate your work. And that is the bottom line. Bottom line. <laughs> Thank you, Mitchell. All right, take care, man. All right, all right that's Mitchell in displays. I think Mitchell realizes that there's a lot more pieces on this team that actually need to be sorted out before we can uh, start saying that Justin Fields is a problem and a reason why this team is losing games, a reason why they're 3-11 and right now. Uh, yesterday, you know, I actually saw something, and I everyone's been paralleling, okay, the Bears' team, team construction needs to be just like the Eagles. And there's something that I saw yesterday that 
completely solidified my stance on how the Bears get better for next season. I'll share you share with you what that is coming up next. You are listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. When you're at home, don't miss Black and Abdallah. Tell your smart speaker to, to play ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Philadelphia Eagles yesterday, 25-20 the final from Soldier Field. A little lower scoring than I thought this game was going to be. You know, two high-flying offenses, Not it seems like ideal conditions were out at Soldier Field yesterday. We had a scoreless first quarter. And I think a big reason why we saw that was because of the way that this Eagles team flew to the football on defense. They knew the challenge that was going to be at hand against the Bears. And any team that faces Justin Fields knows how difficult it is to contain him. And if you can keep him in the pocket, you're going to give yourself a chance and not give him the opportunity to step up and try to make a throw. What I what I saw yesterday out of the Eagles' defense is exactly what I want to see out of the Bears moving forward. You know, everyone's been talking about the Bears, they need a model after the Philadelphia Eagles. Go out, get this receiver, that receiver, build the offensive line, get that tight end in there. And I agree. Listen, I would love to see the Bears provide Justin Fields with more weapons, at wide receiver, on the offensive line, give him some more pass-catching options out there. Absolutely, no doubt about it, Justin Fields needs help in that regard, right? But I think on top of that, you look at what you saw on the other side of the football as well. And you look at the way that this Eagles defense got to Justin Fields. There were three different guys on that Eagles front four that had two sacks apiece. Javon Hargrave, Hassan Reddick, and Josh Sweat. Each of them with a pair of sacks. The Eagles also had nine tackles for loss against the Bears. This was a team that was living in the backfield And when you look at the job that Ryan Poles has ahead of him, the most important thing that this Bears team needs is a pass rush on the other side. Because right now, they are getting no pressure on the opposing offenses right now. They did have the one sack yesterday, courtesy of Joe Thomas. But just one sack, two tackles for losses, and the Bears right now are not getting any pressure whatsoever on the quarterback. They did get a couple of interceptions yesterday, two turnovers that we we haven't seen a lot of turnovers out of this Bears team over the course of this season. And when you think about Matt Eberflus and the hits principle, the T stands for takeaways, and that's something that needs to improve. But you're not going to get a lot of those takeaways unless you're getting pressure on the quarterback right now. And you you look at the, the barren nature of what's on the defensive line for this Bears team, You're going to need to find guys that can get after the quarterback in this offseason. Whether it is in the draft, whether you go into free agency, you heard Waddle talk a little bit earlier. Dayron Payne, a guy from Washington, he'd be a nice fit in the middle of that front four. I look at 
if you're going to model after the Eagles, there's two sides of the ball that need to be modeled after. Don't forget about the defense when you're going out shopping for game changers this offseason because this defense needs a ton of retooling, needs a ton of talent replenishment because right now it's really tough to evaluate what's happening on the other side of the ball, especially in the secondary. You know, Kyler Gordon had the interception yesterday. We've seen a number of splash plays from Jaquan Brisker over the course of this season. But I do think those play those two guys who were the first two picks of Ryan Poles, they could be even better this year if there was some addition up front, if there were some guys that could get to the quarterback on the defensive line. Because right now, that thing is far, far from being an NFL caliber unit. You look at the numbers, all right? The two leaders right now for the Chicago Bears in sacks, all right? Number one is your safety, Jaquan Brisker with three. Number two is your linebacker that is no longer with you, Roquan Smith with two and a half. Those are your top two in sacks right now. You got Brisker with three and Roquan Smith no longer on the team at two and a half. This team needs to change some things up front if they want to really model themselves after the Eagles and be a team that can be a perennial leader within the division like the Eagles figure to be over the course of the next handful of seasons. 312-332-3776. You want to talk Bears with us here. Chad is in Minnesota. Chad, you're on Black and Abdallah. Tyler's in for the guys. Hi, Tyler. Thanks for taking my call. What's going on, Chad? I want to make just a couple real quick points. Um... So responding to Mitchell's call, um, first of all, he referred to himself in third person, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, You can't judge Justin Fields and criticize him like this until he has a supporting cast. You just can't do it. Well, we, as Bears fans, sit back, enjoy what we have finally, um, and just watch him grow. His arm talent is elite. It takes a while to get acclimated to NFL defenses, He's going to be a star. There's no doubt, and I just I think it's really unfair to to judge him. Mitchell was a huge Nick Foles fan. He doesn't. Sorry, I don't mean to bash the dude, but he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's, but it is good radio. So thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call there, Chad. You know, they, they flashed a graphic up yesterday um, during a Justin or during a Jalen Hurts drive. It was in the third quarter, about four and a half minutes left. And it showed the improvement that Hurts has made from the pocket. Last season, Jalen Hurts was a 66% passer from the pocket. This season, he's up that almost 10% to 74%. Last season, Hurts had thrown 10 touchdowns to 8 interceptions from the pocket. This season, 20 touchdowns to 3 interceptions. The passer rating last year, 883 This season, 117.1. And it's going to take a significant offseason out of Justin Fields for him to reach these sort of points. But we've also seen that this season, even in season, just the jumps that he has made. He's received some mechanic tweaks from over the offseason. Remember all the stuff you heard about with Luke Getze, changing which foot he drops back with first, switching some things up with his arm angles and all that stuff. The fact that we're at this point, because it's not easy to make those tweaks. It's easy, to, I should say, it's easy to make those tweaks, right? It's a whole different thing 
to then go out and trust those tweaks in a game when you've got a pass rush in your face. And right now we're starting to see Justin Fields develop and continue to impress week after week. And that's why I'm optimistic that he can make these climbs that you're seeing from Jalen Hurts, from Tua Tungavailoa, all these other quarterbacks that you're seeing blossom in their towards the back ends of their rookie contracts. I think that with Justin Fields, the way that he has dedicated himself in the past, and just think about all the BS he's had to deal with this year, with the lack of weapons on his team, with guys not making plays for him when he's needed them to go out and do something for him. All of that stuff, to me, has given me all the confidence in the world that he can go out and take that next step, take that next leap into being one of the elite quarterbacks within the NFL. I think we're going to see the the passing, especially from the pocket, improve itself. You're seeing him now. Like I think the, a perfect example is the touchdown that he threw to Byron Pringle at the end of the game. We're seeing more and more often now Justin Fields evading the pressure, stepping up. And in weeks past, we're seeing him evade pressure, step up, tuck the ball and run, right? Now you're seeing him evade pressure, step up, and he almost pulls back a little bit and then throws. We're seeing him, I think, even though the rushing numbers still are gaudy week to week, I think you're seeing a guy that's starting to morph into a little more of a pass-first quarterback week to week. And that's the next step for him. That's what's going to make him go from good to great. And hopefully we'll, we'll see more and more of it as the weeks progress. 312-332-3776. Any of your Bears thoughts, we'd love to hear them here on Bleck and Abdallah. When we come back, we will have the Song of the Night right here on ESPN 1000. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's Chicago's for Sports. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. This is this this is Lucky and Abdallah on ESPN 1000. Coming up in just a few minutes here on Black and Abdallah. Tyler Rocky in for the guys. They're off tonight. More of your Bears calls. 312-332-3776. Wade is in Indiana. Wade, you're on Black and Abdallah. Hey, how you doing tonight? What's going on, Wade? Hey, I, w- I want to start by giving a little preface on this. I'm not a Justin Fields fanboy by any way, by any means. If anything, any... My friends that know me, I'm a diehard Michigan fan. So if I anything, I should hate them by any means necessary. But just listen to these stats. You know, over 5,000 yards passing compared to 800 yards rushing. 60-something touchdowns to nine interceptions during his career at Ohio State. That sounds like a passing quarterback, not a running quarterback. I agree. And I, unfortunately, I had to watch him do that to us. And he's a true leader. You know, he could have sat out the one year when the Big Ten was wanting to sit out during COVID. He was one of the leaders in that to fight for the Big Ten to play through that. He had none to gain because he would have been a number one, the number one draft choice. But he fought for everyone to play through that. 
it's showing his true character and leadership. Even in the game the other day, he went out with the cramps. And what did he do? He come back in and took him down on a touchdown drive. What's he playing for? Nothing. Our team sucks. But what's he do? He comes out and plays for the team and for the fans and plays to the best of his ability. He can't play but to the best of his ability and with what he has around him. Yeah, he has a thousand yards rushing because who the hell is he going to throw the ball to? He's playing with guys that would be practice squad guys on any other team. The only two decent receivers he has are hurt. And then the third guy that's somewhat decent gets hurt and goes out for this game. And guys are saying he can't throw. Yeah, he can't throw. He ain't got nobody to throw the ball to. And, yeah, he's running all over the place because he's running for his life the whole damn game, every game. Yeah, I I agree with you there, Wade. I just don't know what people expect from him. Yeah, thanks for the call, Wade. And, you know, there's two departments right now. Actually, I'll take it back. There's three departments right now that I don't need to see any more from Justin Fields. He's proven it to me so far. That is toughness. That is rushing, and it is something that Wade uh, alluded to there, and that is leadership. I think we've seen all of those demonstrated by Justin Fields this season, and, and I think that you're just going to continue to see the the development in other areas of his game moving forward. Tyler's in River North. Tyler, you're on Black and Abdallah. What's going on? <clears throat> really quick, uh, I was actually calling because I got even more mad hearing Mitchell displays. I'm not sure what water he's drinking, but I got a little more excited when I heard Wade call in. Couldn't agree more. Uh, if you look at all of his stats and his, throughout his entire career, he's always been a pass first, and the rushing and records he's breaking this year is new to his game. I will throw out a couple more stats at you because it sounds like Mitchell, hopefully he's still listening, wants to continue to compare fields to other quarterbacks. Against the number one pass defense, which is the daunted Philadelphia Eagles, Kyler Murray, one touchdown, one interception, 80 QBR. Rodgers, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 95 QBR. Trevor Lawrence, two touchdowns, one interception, 84 QBR. And last but not least, Kirk Cousins, one touchdown, three picks, 51 rating. What did Justin Fields have who can't throw the football and no weapons? Two touchdowns, no picks, 120 QBR. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, I appreciate the call. Go Bears, Tyler. And, yeah, listen, I I think that when you look at the the steps that he's taken, it's it's something that right now, one of the biggest ways that quarterbacks can up their passing numbers is yards after catch. Right now, this team does not have a yards after catch guy on it. The Bears rank dead last right now in all of football with 900 yards after catch. Contrast that to some of the best of the best right now. Some of the quarterbacks that do put up the, these insane numbers. You look at the Chiefs. They're, they're the leaders right now in yards after catch. More than double what the Bears have. They're at 2,166. The Chargers, 2,030. Niners, 1,880. Like the Bears aren't even near that stratosphere right now in terms of getting that. And, and a lot of that comes down to finding some receivers that can get you that. Sure, it's on the quarterback, too. Sometimes you can lead your guys into some yards after catch. But, I mean, how many times have we seen Travis Kelsey break tackles to, to get some extra yards? How many times have we seen Debo Samuel get set up on a screen and then take it 40, 50 yards? Like that is part of how you get these bigger passing numbers how you accumulate those yards and right now the bears don't have that guy in the receiver room really they've got darnell mooney who's a nice piece but you're going to need more than a darnell mooney if you want to really see justin fields 
be a consistent 250, 270 yard passer game after game after game. All right, it's time to get to the song of the night. I want to rock! Hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for. What dial? There's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an. Ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdullah's song of the night. Yo, later. Tonight's song. Stevie Wonder, What Christmas Means to Me. Oh, yeah, candles burning low. Lots of mistletoe. Lots of snow and ice. Everywhere we go. Choirs singing carols right outside my door. All these things and more. Christmas means to me? Well, this is the last song of the night before Christmas. That's because Jesse's hosting on Wednesday. This is my favorite of all the Christmas songs. I'm not big into like the traditional Christmas music. I, I like been something. a long-running favorite, or did you? Because like, I recently, like, when I was pulling this, I was like, "Wow, this is one of the fundamentally sound good Christmas songs." Yeah, it's but like everybody like, has old favorites, you know. If you had taken Christmas out of this, like, if you had replaced the lyrics with something else, this beat and everything could be a hit. In like the other eleven months of the year, same for some people, Christmas ten months. By Donny Hathaway, it's just like really well-rounded song. Yeah, even if you take the Christmas out. Yeah, it's it doesn't have like the traditional Christmas feel. Like sure, you hear some of the bells in the background and whatnot, but it, this has always been my my favorite Christmas song. Got a little pace to it. You see it in some Christmas music uh, movies too. Harmonica solo. Yeah, Many Christmas songs have a harmonica solo. Yeah. For God's sakes, it's not one of the traditional ones. I, I think the traditional ones are very like stuffy and. Uh, and all buttoned up. These this one kind of, yeah. This sure. one, this one lets loose a little bit. Do you, so what? Okay, Nick Moxala with us here. Kendra Smith also with us here. Real quick, what are your favorite Christmas songs on this final song of the night before Christmas? Donny Hathaway. This Christmas is all right. definitely on top. Kendra, yeah, do you have one? I was going to say Donny, but I also like Chris Brown's version of it as well. Okay. Of course, you got to go Mariah Carey. I mean, this is literally her kind of movie, right. Like, she owns it, so. Exactly. Stevie Wonder, What Christmas Means to Me, your song of the night. I want to rock! Hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because dial. it's time for... What dial? There's, there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Ah, uh, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdullah's Song of the Night. Yo, later. More of your Bears calls at 312-332-3776. When we come back, Tyler Aki in for Black and Abdallah on ESPN 1000. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports.